Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Raw and Unscripted with Christopher Roush. And it is my pleasure today to introduce you to two leading edge experts in the field of leadership. Dennis G. Shaver from Michigan, who specializes in entrepreneurship in the context of transformative leadership. He is sought after as a business growth and innovation catalyst for sustainable change from executive boardrooms to the manufacturing line throughout the USA for 20 plus years. He is a professional keynote speaker, having lectured internationally and is an Amazon international best-selling author of a book called The Entrepreneurial Incubator, Secrets to Getting Your Invention from Mind to Market. And Sally Anderson is all the way from New Zealand who specializes in what's termed co-creative leadership. Her education is a global first for there is no other leadership service provider who focuses on the sustainability element of personal and or professional transformation. Sally has privately coached key influencers nationally and internationally, CEOs, executive teams, C-suite forums, entrepreneurs, celebrities, politicians, millionaires, billionaires over 20 years. She is also an author and has published two books. Her personal development book is called Freefall, Living Life Beyond the Edge, and her leadership book is called The Co-Creative Age, The Next Evolutionary Phase in Leadership. Both of these books I have read. With 75 years of collective global experience between them, it bodes well that this is going to be an extraordinary call today on how to become a more effective leader in your ability given the challenge we are faces, facing here in the 21st century. And I can tell you guys that this is a truly inspirational, educational look at the leadership in the situation now. As the taping this show, we are going through the pandemic, COVID of 2020. And so I hit him with a lot of different questions about um, leadership and about our role as either employees or leaders. And just kind of talking about the different aspects of everything. And we get into a lot of nuts and bolts. We talk about equanimous leadership. We talk about um, a lot of deep stuff that actually is really great for your soul right now and stuff that you should be listening to. Um, we talk about, you know, who are some of the great leaders right now. Um, we also talk about different aspects of your control freak that you'll learn some things and how to let go and deal with uncertainty. Um, talk about belief and living with fears and, and getting over those. We go into subjects like dealing with ego versus arrogance and just a lot of great nuggets from both Sally and Dennis through this out this entire interview. So I encourage you to stay for it, take notes, and most importantly, apply it in your life. Thank you and enjoy the show. Unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Raw and Unscripted with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And today's show, I'm super excited because we're going to go down a different path than the conversations that we've been having in the past. We're going to go into a little bit more of the business mindset, a little bit more of the leadership entrepreneurial mindset and how to change your perspectives about your situation as it is right now. As of this taping, we are currently going through the pandemic of 2020. We're currently in April. 
uh, if that gives you some context, if you're watching this later on. And you know, there's a lot of different things that are going on in society and around the world. And I'm happy to have as guests, uh, somebody down from New Zealand, also somebody from over in Michigan. And these guys are experts in the leadership and the entrepreneurial field. Um, one of my guests uh, has written a book about entrepreneurial mindset. Another one of my guests has written some, written some beautiful books about mindset and co-creative leadership, which I'll share with you during this episode. Uh, but this is just really important. I want guys want you to listen to this from whether or not you're a leader at this particular time in your job. Everybody at this point in their life is going to have to step up and become a leader. I believe that the life is not going to be the same once this is over. And the fact of the matter is, is that right now you have to determine who you are and who you're going to become in order to get through this because it's going to take blood, sweat, and tears to get through this. It's going to take thinking outside of the box. This is going to take doing things that are uncomfortable. This is going to take sacrifice for you to survive because listen, with, I mean, artificial intelligence and robotics already, we got a lot of things coming up in the business world. So it's important for you to take notice to this because it's going to change how you do things, how you interact with your workers. God knows what's going to happen after all of this is said and done. And if people even go back to the physical brick and mortar buildings or they continue to working out of their house. So this is going to be an exciting conversation. I'm pleased to have with me today, Dennis Shaver and Miss Sally Anderson. Hello, guys. How you doing? Fantastic. How you doing? Good, good, good. Rocking and rolling. As you can tell, excited oh, yeah. to have you guys on here because like I said there in the intro, this is timely stuff. I mean, this is so important and so dramatic in our lives. I mean, I'm 51 and I know you guys are right about my age that, you know, in our lifetimes, we've seen some stuff. We've seen the, you know, the 2008 situation. We've seen other things happen. We've heard about other things, the Great Depression, the Great Recession, all these different things. But I mean, I mean, what do you think, guys, right now, based on what's going on in your neck of the world and your lives, how is this affecting you? And what are some of the topics that we should explore today to help our viewers become more informed and better armed to what they can do with the future? Well, first of all, uh, Dennis here, uh, I'd like to uh, answer that question, if I may. First of all, thanks, uh, Chris, for having us on. We really appreciate this. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we're in the thick of it right now. When you think about this, every, most most everybody is actually sitting at home and wondering what's next when they go back to work uh, officially, hopefully to their office, if that's where they're going. And uh, the challenge here is what does the workplace look like when we go back to work officially? And that's a real challenge because a lot of people are feeling like they've had time to think about this. They've thought about their, their, their team that they work with, their subordinates, their superiors, uh, their boss, or maybe they are the boss. And they may not be sure how to effectively navigate moving forward. So um, I see this as a great opportunity. If you were to listen to uh, Carol Dweck about the growth mindset, we either have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. And certainly the growth mindset is that uh, we look at challenges as opportunities. And even if you're feeling stuck in the muck is to find a way to evolve from where you are to where you really want to be. So uh, that means uh, to be to start with yourself. If it is to be, it starts with me. And that's, that's right what you said earlier about being a leader. We have an opportunity to first effectively lead ourselves beyond what is. We can either stay stuck or choose to respond to where we're at and evolve forward. And so that's more of the growth mindset is being open to possibility and looking at setbacks or bottlenecks and converting those into breakthroughs. Mm. Oh, I like that. I really do. What um, it reminds me, I think it's Les Brown or Willie Jolly says a setback is a setup for a comeback. And that is obviously our minds here on this call. Um, we know that. But what is your recommendation for people who I've been running into people like Chris, I've, I'm, I've never been a leader. I, I don't know how to lead. I've always been a follower. My parents made me a follower. I've just been always been, you know, a sheep. 
how do I start to reevaluate my perspective about myself in order to become that leader, in order to become that problem solver? What do you, what do you think about that? Do you want me to answer that or, or, yeah, uh, yeah building on okay. what you're trying to So, uh, first of all, um, so many people say leader, uh, lead is one thing, uh, and to lead others, but it's important for us to know how to effectively lead ourselves and more in the form of a coach or a mentor. Because when we're here to help nurture and guide and cultivate our resources, be it people, systems, culture, whatever it is, uh, and, and know how to do that, then we have a much better uh, possibility of, of uh, creating success, the outcome. So, so when we look at this as an opportunity to, to, uh, to find a way to cultivate what's possible, let me give you an example. I was born and raised on a big dairy farm in Michigan. We shipped uh, a lot of milk, probably about a ton of milk a day. And I mean, I didn't get these big hands from just being raised on that. It was, it was farm hands, okay? And we found a way to effectively lead our resources moving forward. The resources would be planting, planting first, uh, the, the harvest, and then actually planting the seed and then cultivating that seed and letting it grow and evolve. And when the challenges came around to protect it during the gestation period, and then eventually you would have an outcome. The outcome is the harvest. And I've actually taken that mindset that strategy and incorporated that into the business world as well, working for General Motors, uh, PepsiCo, Clorox, and also business startups is that whatever you do, start where you are, start exactly where you are, start with exactly what you have and start right now. Uh, ready yourself, aim yourself by having the right mindset, being the key in the cause, the right skill set, identifying in line with effective resources that can help give you the, 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 the means to navigate moving forward. And then, of course, take action. That's the implement that's producing and getting results. Mm. <laughs> results. Now, I know speaking of results, I know Sally Anderson, you are phenomenal. And the time I've gotten to know you over, God, what, seven years over social internet. I mean, we've become really, really great friends. And I have to say, I attribute you many, many times, whether you know it or not, um, to reconditioning or overhauling my mindset to a certain extent. Talk to us about that because I know that you have so much intellectual insight into this. Uh, what can, what can, how can the, the listeners and the watch, the viewers of this um, gain a different perspective from based on what you teach? So first of all, like Dennis, I want to acknowledge you for the opportunity today. So it's great to be here. Um, and usually when we start out these interviews, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there, but I'm actually really quite excited, which is kind of like uh, kind of like reverse psychology. There's so much focus on the viral pandemic. I believe it is highlighting uh, from a humanitarian standpoint, a fear pandemic fueled by the media, fueled by a number of different um, avenues. And so as a leader, you are now expected to be superhuman. At the end of the day, you are still human. We were born connected, born uh, intuitive and born fearless. That was our birthright. And it just comes with the human territory that the unknown realm, that uncertain realm was actually what we were born into. And then obviously through our developmental years, uh, we change our beliefs, our behaviors, our structures and view our worldview changes. Now, as a leader in the past, it would be a nice to have, you know, as far as evolving, growing, changing, but now you're being forced to. So I think it's bringing a whole new dimension to the human aspect of leadership with reference to have you got the mindset skills? You might have all of the linear skills, traditional leadership training, you've been to the retreats, you've been to all of the, you know, the standard training, 
but have you actually done the mindset training, a bit of a buzzword, but you know, have you done what it takes from a humanistic standpoint to deal with these unprecedented challenges, unprecedented um, um, you know, scenarios that you're dealing with that is so uncertain. In leadership, you're used to being in control. So when you're not in control, I mean, there's always two contexts to everything. It's either the empowered context or the disempowered context. Most people focus on the empowered context of control, obviously within leadership that's important, but the disempowered aspect of control, uh, especially when you're in uncertainty, there is a tendency to become a bit more dictatorial in your style as a leader. So my focus primarily, uh, and that's why I'm excited uh, for consultants and coaches who are any good in this field, is that uh, being able to partner and transition uh, the leaders to be able to deal with what it is that they're facing far more than the strategy and the bottom line and the result. I mean, all really important, but by Christ, everything starts and ends with you and how you're doing. But as a leader, they hardly have a neutral standpoint of somebody to talk to because they can't show their insecurity. It's just, you know, you've got to have it together all the time. So I'm, I'm more interested in the sustainability aspect of producing results, both for who you are as the leader, but also for the performance of your organization. So co-creative leadership is where I land. Um, and um, maybe in this interview at some stage I'll share a bit about uh, why my focus is around sustainability because there are so many personal development courses, there's so many business and leadership development courses, but there are very few, if any, that focus on the sustainability element of their training. Mm. Amen. I mean, geez, where I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you have, I look at at leaders, you have leaders and you have managers and you have, then you have your star performers. And sometimes those star performers are thought, okay, wow, he's really great at sales. Let's make him a sales manager, but he has never been taught to lead. And we put him in those situations. And then we tell him, we give him metrics that, that they have to make and the evident goals and everything else. And the guy's like, wait a minute, I have to lead all these people just because I'm a great salesperson doesn't make them a great leader. I think, and I think you guys alluded to this, um, given the situation and given your, your, both of your backgrounds, I think this is a dynamic time to talk about um, since, you know, Sally, you've coached, you know, C-suite leaders and Dennis, you've worked with entrepreneurs and, and those big companies. What is it going to take for these senior leaders right now? What are they going through and what is it that they're going to have to change um, in order to, to keep things going? Because I, I, I saw an interview the other day with Grant Cardone and I'm not from, sure if you're familiar with Grant Cardone, um, huge billionaire guy, you know, owns multiple real estate things. And he came on and he was honest. He's like, you know, guys, he goes, just because I, I have all this money and just because you think I have all this, he goes, let me just tell you, I have 400 properties and I have, you know, this kind of mortgage and now I don't have people paying me and da, 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 da. And then he's like, you know, I got to spin and, and, and flip. And he, he came up with a, a great topic and he says, you have to outcreate everybody else in the pool. You know, if you're, if you already have a job and you saw that job, don't bitch about it. Don't be asking about hazard pay, you know, see what you could do to double that. And, and you're just going to have to dig in and contribute in that. What are your, both of your perspectives on the leadership right now, what they're going through and how that's going to evolve in your, in your personal opinions or professional opinions? Uh, I would say, first of all, that uh, many of us have never, ever experienced what we're experiencing right now. So this is new territory. And when we're in new territory, uh, there are some, there's a basic, um, mindset and skill set that is required to respond uh, versus react and it's much like um, if you follow football or some type of a sport uh, we're in the last few seconds of the super bowl and the game and uh, they're, they're both wanting to be the winning team and all of a sudden the the quarterback drops the ball and it's like everybody freaks out but the thing is is that it's amazing what you can achieve in those last few seconds of the football game and that is to regroup and uh, identifying a line with the challenges, where the opportunities are, and then uh, create a segue to evolve from where you're at to where you really want to be, that the outcome. So 
for uh, leaders these days, especially going through this challenge, is to be able to uh, work with the group, the team, to help them uh, help them raise the bar and understand, okay, well, this is where we're at. We have, there's a starting point here. This is where we're at. And then be able to help them to gather the intel, not just because I'm the boss or the leader, but to be able to gather intel from the group, uh, the, the, the skill sets and the mindsets of others to be able to understand what's the most effective way to evolve forward. Many people come to the, to the, uh, to the front lines with problems, but uh, if, if we can empower them to come with solutions uh, and gather those solutions, come up with the best possible solution, uh, we're going to be able to pave the path moving forward. And those are the best people, right? I mean, I sit there and when I was when I was going back into this, diving back into this, I'm not sure if you know, Dennis, my career for the last 26 years was it ended as the director of operations for a huge scuba diving company. Cool. And through that, I started off in the warehouse and I did a little bit of research on you. And I found out that you started in manufacturing and you kind of worked your way up. And that's the same thing I did. I started off in the warehouse floor as an export documentation clerk, moved my way up to supervisor, moved my way up to manager, started taking on more and more stuff and then became director of operations and took on quite a bit. And um, in that time, in my leadership style, it was all inclusive. I called it inclusive style leadership. I have a master's degree in organizational management. So I learned, you know, get your team involved. Talk to us about that. How important it is for these leaders right now to be listening to their frontline staff about what's going on? How important is it for them to get that information, not through a second or third party in management? How important is it for them to hear that from the staff themselves? And also, I want Sally, I want you to chime in on the same question that he had before. You brought up scuba diving, and I actually am a diver myself. And one of the things that we experience as a scuba diver is you never really know what you're what you're about to come across, especially you're deep in the ocean, and uh, it can be uncharted territory if you've not dove there before. So there are some certain precautions, there are certain guidelines that you follow. You have a buddy system that you work with as well uh, when you're diving, and uh, similar to leadership, is that. Uh, you also have to have your 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 uh, your team of people that you can uh, empower and help them embrace the un understanding how to embrace challenges and move forward. So um, it doesn't matter what level anyone is in an organization; everyone has a role in helping evolve that company forward. From the person who's pushing the broom to the person who is uh, wearing the pinstripes, so to speak, everybody has a role. And when we can come to the realization that. We don't have to go outside to to get all these all these uh, resources to help us. Now it's good to have a coach, though. I mean, I believe in having a coach. Always, yes. I've, I have a couple of coaches here, and the reason I have a coach is that it helps me stay focused and be able to navigate moving forward. So I would highly recommend that. I mean, think about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had several coaches. He had a coach just on one part of the ball game, not the whole basketball game and how to play it. And I believe that that's what is we're really going to need to do moving forward as well as leaders is that we may not have the answers. We may not know how to help others help themselves, especially through these challenges. So feel free to reach out and, and, and get resources to help you help yourself. Yes. Don't stay in the victim mindset. Don't stay in the, it pisses me off, Dennis. I'm not sure if you know this. I'm called the no excuses coach because literally I'm like one of the last people, most people want to talk to. They're like, I'm afraid of you. You're going to hold me accountable. I'm like, yeah, because I want to see you successful. <laughs> You right. know, I'm like, I don't have time. I don't know how to do that. I'm stupid. I can't figure it out. It's like, God, there's Google and the internet and, and YouTube. You can figure it out, especially this time in, in your life. I'm, it's pissing me off lately. I'm seeing like, I've watched 25 series of Netflix. I'm like, have you done anything to fucking grow your mind? Right. No. Right. Sally, right. 
Sally, what is your what is your what is your perspective on this given your your background? Because I I'm holding two of your your books here. I just want to I just want to show off, ladies and gentlemen. This book I I recommend it. Apparently, it's a little difficult to get. That somebody was telling me, but Free Fall by Sally Anderson. This is a freaking this is a manuscript for life, ladies and gentlemen. I can just I can just flip. Oh, awesome book. I'm, I agree. I saw, I saw the card that Sally sent me, and I've got I've just got highlighted pages after highlighted pages. But the book in conversation right now is co-creative age yes another flipping masterpiece of things and in that you talk about um i have a hard time saying it half the time equanimous leadership and you go into deep detail about that and i think it's fascinating um how can you intertwine that with the questions that we've been discussing to try to see how that can affect the people that are watching this man there's a thousand places i could go <laughs> i know <laughs> i'm like i just opened it up for okay sally anderson on speed right um yeah. i'm a coach intuitive language is my thing i listen to language and that kind of like steers me where i need to go so um most people do not uh embrace uncertainty they don't embrace uh confrontation resistance and uncomfortability so i deal a lot with uh reverse psychology as a change agent which all leaders are it is your responsibility to go looking to be confronted go looking to be resistant go looking to be uncomfortable as the new norm so anything that you are striving for, you're going to come up against resistance. If resistance isn't your best friend right now, it needs to be because it's only just a feeling. So there's only, I always work in three. So there's three recommendations from a leadership standpoint uh, that I would recommend right now outside of all of the traditional stuff that uh, leaders are being recommended. And obviously it's in the area that I specialize in, which is in the co-creative side. So who you are as a human being uh, is limited who you are as a co-creative being is limitless i don't care what you call it higher power universal force collective consciousness god um i'm not attached um i've coached everybody from every religious sect spiritual sect atheist you name it um because uh you are part of the whole uh now i'm not uh wishing to and i, and I love i love talking to atheists it's all very good um and finding what works for that individual person but when you're dealing with uncertainty and you're trying to do that from the human form, it's all too friggin' hard. So whether you have a, a um, faith in the context of corporate, oh my God, you know, we've got human beings in every single organization on the planet. And the two most primary emotions for a human being is faith, whatever that is for you, and love. So why isn't love and faith the two core, core strategies at the executive level? Novel concept, right? Uh, when people say to me, Sally, you know, you don't understand anything about my industry. How can you come in and tell me about my people and, and tell me what to do? I go, do you have people in your industry? I deal with human to human psychosis in any industry. Industry is not uh, important. I'm looking at the ontological aspect, you know, the study of what it is to be human, how human beings operate in that ecosystem. Um, so the three recommendations I have is what is your relationship to the unknown? Uh, to me, spirituality is about trusting the unknown as much as you trust the known. So what would it be like if you welcomed the uncertainty? You got out of bed in the morning and you went, hoo hoo, you know, how confronted, resistant, uncomfortable am I going to be today? You know, how do you generate yourself, which segues nicely into the equanimous leadership thing. Equanimity is my favorite, favorite word. Uh, I think it's the, the ultimate of what a human being can experience in their lifetime. Equanimity, from my perspective, um, bit of a different take at a level, is the ability to be the observer of what is, not how it could have been, should have been, wanted it to be. And uh, all of human suffering is a function of what we make things mean. I'll say that again. All of human suffering is a function of what we make things mean. Don't make it mean anything, you ain't gonna suffer. Um, man, that would just end the whole depression, anxiety, suicide thing overnight. Executives love being stressed. They love you know, being overwhelmed. Um, because when you're connected, when you're in your co-creative state, you can't be in overwhelm. 
you know, when you're, when you're in the co-creative realm, there are a lot of benefits. And one of them is the ability to master what it means to be equanimous and be the observer. When your staff and your employees are going off, when you've got the bank managers calling, when you've when you got a lot of the dynamics that you need to manage, your state is uh, mission critical. So I believe co-creative leadership, uh, leading from the co-creative realm, is integral as far as evolving leadership on the planet. That's the first thing. Second thing is the mindset, which I've spoken to before. Um, I use a three-legged stool analogy. First leg of the stool is uh, most leaders are tired. Don't tell me to go to another retreat. Don't go to another frigging leadership training. They've been there, done that. They are unconsciously competent in their traditional leadership skills, uh, which is why they've got the role that they have. Uh, second leg of the stool is subject matter expertise. Most leaders are very, very solid. That's the reason why they're in the role that they've got, because they have specialized in a particular area. Third leg of the stool, which is quite interesting with everything that's happening on the planet right now, is the uh, belief, behavioral, soft skills, um, or human skills, whatever you want to call them. Uh, that is the weakest leg of the stool with leadership because it's kind of like it's nice to have when we've got the budget, when we can fit it in, which is hardly ever, is the most critical leg of the stool that's required to sustain change. I was a course junkie for 30 years, named a CD, a course, a book. I read it, listened to it, went to it, always looking outside of myself for the answers. And so I was frustrated in not being able to, highly train, but uh, at that point, unable to sustain the change. Then you look at the leadership side of things. Um, my background is implementing um, large cultural change initiatives. My last one was 2000. Um, and one, when um, I was in uh, New York on September the 11th, um, in charge of thousands of projects across two countries, uh, based in the Netherlands, Boston, and New York. Our offices were five blocks from ground zero. Millions wow. of dollars would be spent on these change programs, and I knew they'd never get a return on their investment three to five years after I walked out the door. Felt like a bit of a prostitute in the system, excuse the expression. Um, so from a value set perspective, because you're the one in there implementing the change, yeah. there is so much money companies are spending on trainings, on workshops, on coaches, right, for very questionable ROI back into the business. So the alignment that I've um, formed with um, the amazing Dennis Shaver uh, is uh, he specializes in uh, the entrepreneurial space. I specialize in the co-creative space. The combination of the two together is very formidable uh, in a kind of like a, an enhanced offering to the leadership space. But sustainable results, there's so much focus on you know, bottom line results, but there's very limited results, um, sorry, focus on the sustainability aspect. So in summary of the three things, co-creation, you know, what is your relationship with uncertainty, uncomfortability, confrontation and resistance? Second is the mindset side of things. How do you sustain being in an empowered state all the time, regardless of circumstance? Training leaders to be a 10 every day. How do you sustain being in a 10 state all the time, regardless of circumstance? And the third is support. You know, that's your strongest, that's, that's your strength, not a weakness, you know? Um, and there's a lot of ego going on. Um, mm. Ego does a bit of a bad rap to be a great leader. You've got to have an ego from an empowered perspective. Um, however. You know, being able to elicit support more than you ever have before, uh, be that from your team, be it from your people. Our best example right now, and I will shut up in a minute, is Jacinda Ardern, who is the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Uh, she is uh, becoming a role model, um, empathy, vulnerability, um, her compassion. Uh, she's had to deal with the massacre in New Zealand, which was the first. Uh, she's had to deal with uh, a volcano blowing up. She went and had a baby, and now she's dealing with COVID-19. That's one hell of a, you know, mm -hmm. to deal with in one term. Yeah how she's showing up she's on facebook lives or you know zoom calls every day as far as communication with the nation as well as her team and her people um she's very um you know as far as inspiring leadership right now she's a great example to um to um to acknowledge mm, wow powerful powerful stuff
I might have to slow that down a little bit because you are on a freight train. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, powerful stuff. But you, you touched on a few things that I want to bring up here for a second for people that might not be where I actually be honest, where people where I was, where I was kind of like, what are you talking about this, this, you know, other self and all this other stuff and, and dealing with uncertainty and kind of being open to it. It's like, fuck uncertainty. I don't want, no, you know me. I mean, you know me, Mr. I got to figure out plan A, B, C, D. I got to know how it's going to all end. People have been asking me all throughout this process. And it's been actually, I've attributed it again to you, all of you. I'm like, you know, I said a couple of years ago, last year, I probably have been, oh, fuck. Like what is going to, cause I can easily, I'm a smart guy. I can go down the road. I can see where we're going to be 18 months from now. I can see where we're going to be possibly, you know, in my vision based on previous historical things, based on humanity, it could be dark. I mean, it could be seriously fucked up. And, and people said, how do you, you seem so calm. And I'm like, I'm calm because there's nothing I can control. The uncertainty is life. Every moment is uncertain. You know, God forbid I could have a plane crash into my house right now. I live 20 miles from an airport. It could happen. I could have a heart attack. Anything could happen. I mean, we don't have any control over our, over our future. And I tell people the best way to do it. And this is what I've learned from you, Sally is the moment that is all that we can be. That is all we are. And I I've been telling people, I've been dabbling a little bit of what you say and, and trying to, to, I steer them to you. Um, but it's like, I sit there and say, okay, if I tell you to in your head, just to yell shout and you, you do it in your head and you hear that shout and tell me if I'm wrong on this, the person you're observing, the soul is observing the shout that is actually being created by your mind. So you're, you're seeing that you're, you have a distance perspective and this might be a little bit too deep to go into, but I just want you guys to know out there that you do have the ability to be in the moment and not to, not to out create yourself, not, or not to out create yourself, not to out, um, spook yourself with a bunch of assumptions about things that are going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is literally out of our control in that respect. But like Dennis was saying before, respond, react. Um, I want to respond. I want to be proactive versus reactive in the situation. Um, but what do you say to people who just can't handle that or just that, that were like me that I, I know a guy, I know a friend of mine right now that has got to be going bananas. He's a former friend, actually, to be honest. Um, he, but he has to go bananas because he's just like, oh, my God, you know, this is going to be anarchy and this is going to be, you know, I'm going to board up my house and everything. How do people get through this challenging time and still remain that perspective? Again, well, you good, Sally? Okay. So first of all, uh, uh, someone told me one time they said, you know, if I said re, if I reacted that way, they would say, uh, Dennis, I agree with you. So you agree with me that you know stuff is going to hit the fan. It's like, well, if that's what you think, then I agree with you, or the universe is agreeing with you. So we have that opportunity to stay exactly where we are, or <clears throat> excuse me, choose to um, to evolve. And uh, the more human we can be as a leader. Uh, to help others uh, see the light, uh, the better off we are. Because, for example, someone said to me today, Dennis, I hope, I hope that things get better. That's a unique word to use in there. That for the, and I, like, bashed, I bashed my coaching client yesterday for hope. I'm like, what yeah, the hell? Yeah. And this reminds me of uh, being raised. I keep going back to the dairy farm because I learned how to be an entrepreneur at age five years old. That's when our father started us boys working in the barns and, and working the farm. And one day uh, I was out pitching what we call um, manure, lots of manure every day. And of course, we use the manure to fertilize our land so that we could have more crops. But one day I happened to wipe this right off my brow and my daddy walks in. He says, well, son, um, how you doing? I'm cleaning that barn. And I, I said, well, dad, I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping and praying I can get this bar clean, barn clean by, by chore time. Of course, that was two hours from when he had, when he had talked to me. 
And um, my father takes a puff of his Marlboro and he says, well, son, you can hope and pray all you want, but it's not until you get your hands on that shelf and start pitching is when the barn's going to get cleaned. <laughs> and, and this is just one <laughs> yeah. example of his style of leadership back then. Uh, but I still take heed to that because it's true. It's like uh, you want change in your life. You want something to happen. Uh, then you, you need to first believe that it's possible and, and know that it's possible. And you may not know how to do it, but just knowing that it's possible and helping the people that are in your team realize that, hey, uh, I'm here to help you help yourself and to be there to coach them, to mentor them, to guide them, to help them see the light, to guide the way, to provide that light, to show them how to get from where they're at to where, where they need to go. So the more that we can be an example, when I say be, you mentioned earlier about doing as well as a really good point, but we first need to be example and then that then becomes an example for people to see the light to be able to also follow that similar uh, example as well. So. Um, um, be the change that we that you wish to see, like like Gandhi says. It's so true. It's so simple, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. Be the change you want to see. I mean, that's mm -hmm. uh, when people sit there and tell me like, because I don't know what I want to do with my life, and I'm like, what pisses you off? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> they tell me thirty things. I'm like, pick one and fix it. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How about that shit? Now right. I know Sally Anderson has a word or two about this particular topic, so. <laughs> Easy on the ammunition, ladies and gentlemen, Sally Anderson. Um, God damn, where do you go? Okay, so there's no light and there's no dark. There's just what is. So really? when, you're not making, when you're not making something mean something, it doesn't create the suffering, right? So I like using analogies. So listening to the static on the radio when you're driving the car, uh, you don't stay on the static channel. You try and tune into the music. Most people don't even know what their music is. There's only four things that disempower a human being. The inner critic, that vicious voice that beats the crap out of you, um, fear, uh, issues, problems, and challenges, and confusion. People love confusion. All of those things, fear, inner critic, issues, problems, challenges, and confusion are a function of being disconnected, feeding a past or future-based projection. All of human suffering is a function of feeding past or future-based projections. So taking to your point uh, that you said, Chris, around the now moment, there is only the now moment. The past can't impact your future until, unless you keep feeding it. The future is an illusion. It's only a function of what you think in the now moment. So if you're never here, then obviously you're going to be impacted by living in these projections, which is hugely highlighted by a high percentage of the planet right now that human beings do not know how to navigate their mindset. So vacuuming is really another good analogy. Have you ever tried to vacuum when you haven't plugged it in and turned it on? But tricky. Right? <laughs> um, and so I use that analogy with leaders with reference to the co-creative realm. Who you are in your human form is like vacuuming when you haven't freaking plugged it in. I don't care what you're plugging it into, but find out what you're going to plug it into. Because right. if you look to a child, they are carefree, they are full on, they are fully self-expressed, and then we learn to shut down. You know, mm -hmm. as far as what interest you know with reference to not being so controlling and actually learning to um deal with uncertainty kids haven't got it kids couldn't give a shit about certainty you know you put them on the ski field they'll be the first ones going down the cliff you know um and from my perspective i've got a bit of a a, a bit of an advantage in understanding adversity my entire life has been a function of adversity just to give you a bit of a taster um abducted and gang raped at the age of 15 uh, more than 100 uh, mob members uh, left for dead. Um, so when you've been uh, violently attacked, um, more than a hundred men abuse you, um, uh, abducted, uh, face the terror of being murdered, uh, gone beyond the comprehension of what terror actually means. You kind of like learn a few things. 
go back to school, act like it didn't happen, live into 20 years of the most dysfunctional behavior, body dysmorphia, drugs, alcohol, name and addiction. Um, so that was my apprenticeship. I didn't go to university, but that was my apprenticeship to be able to understand the dark side, to understand integrally what it's like to live 24 bar seven, like a mental maniac, not, you know, trying not to commit suicide. Um, and I can now look at the mob stirs as my spiritual initiators for what I do today. I've also been made bankrupt. You know, if you want to deal with shame and, and you know, uh, character assassinations and you name it, as far as showing up in the world, I, I'm very clear why people don't. So as far as adverse situations, I have spent a lifetime learning how to transcend the mental mind gymnastics. And one of them being, I would like to see mastery of the inner critic in the schooling system. If the, if the inner critic right now, Nobody, when was the last time somebody said, you know, how's your inner critic today at a leadership level in a boardroom? You know, I used to lead retreats. I used to facilitate a conversation, 10 people in the room, 10 leaders. What is your inner critic saying to you? It is unbelievable what, and nobody talks about it. Now, there's a friggin' undercurrent. There's a def if everybody's got an individual default identity, a disempowered default identity, which I believe they do, about seven different layers, there must be a default mechanism within the organization because it's a makeup of human beings who either have or have not done work on themselves. So that undercurrent is hardly ever spoken into. And I'm always the queen of the elephant in the room. I'll speak into what's not said. I'll go where no other coach will go to get results no other coach will get because I'm a stand for le leading fearlessly. Um, given that nobody could do anything to me now more than I've already had done to me. So I'm um, teaching leaders on how to access fearless leadership. How do, you, how do you become fearless in the face of anything that's thrown at you? Which is the byproduct of that is the ability to remain equanimous. It's, about, it's my next tattoo, by the way. Mm. <laughs> wow. What do you think about that, Dennis? That's fired up. This is why I so much appreciate working with Sally. She's just like, I just say, go get them. <laughs> Bam, bam. I love it. It's I can listen to you all day. I mean, you have taught me so much, so much and so much. Um, you, Dennis, you said something earlier that I kind of want to dive into just for a second. It, and I know, Sally, you've got opinions on this. Um, I had a conversation with the other day with somebody about um, ego versus arrogance, like or I call it sometimes arrogance versus assertiveness. But in this context, aggressiveness or um, ego, ego versus arrogance. What are the difference? What are the differences? And that because Sally, you made a good point. You have to have a healthy ego. And sometimes I think, you know, ego is bullshit, you know, just be yourself. But in true, you do have to have an ego. You have to have, um, you have to have a presence. I look at it as a presence. It's like, I want to look at it as an ego because I think of ego as a negative thing. So I think of it, okay, what's my presence? What's my offering? What is my being in this situation? Um, what do you guys have to say to that? And, and, and talk about maybe um, some of the leaders right now that you both think are transformative right now, some of the people that, that might be in our time, I'm talking like Elon Musk or anything like that. I mean, sometimes I think he's batshit crazy and sometimes I think he's phenomenal. You know, you got, uh, you got, uh, Mark Cuban. Sometimes I'm, yeah, sometimes I'm no kind of cheesy. I don't know. Don't trust him. You know, who are some of the thought leaders and, and, and we can go back into history as well a little bit, but today's leaders and where do you think those, um, where those people are going to take us? Uh, well, first of all, you mentioned the word arrogance and ego. Uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. And for me, arrogance, uh, I don't think is a warm thing. Neither uh, is ego, but ego, there's a certain level of ego that you can have. Uh, but I use the term called conduit to can do it. And that's more or less a, a form of showing up in life. So if I want to be and do and have something in life, then I need to make myself available because when you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And so the more that we can focus on showing up and becoming a, finding a way to become a conduit or a can do it, 
there's really no no need for arrogance uh, because you're showing up. I mean, you're there, 100% there, ready to make it happen. Um, so that's sort of my initial answer to that. Uh, the other thing is, is that I think there's a potpourri of leaders out there that have got certain qualities that uh, that can that contribute a lot to life and business. And you talked about Elon Musk. Uh, that guy's a conduit to can do it for sure. I mean, he's fearless. Uh, as Sally mentioned, fearless. It's like uh, fearless, meaning uh, fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. He's he's like he's an entrepreneur. It's like there's no there's no room for for fear right now. I just got to get out there and and make it happen and and gather my resources. And if I fall, then if I fail, then fail forward. And uh, Mark Cuban as well, another example. I mean, he's he has had a lot of challenges in his life. Um, he's also had some stones that he's had to unturn and and uh, maybe some uh, avenues he's taken in life he didn't want to, but he's also had, had a lot of successes as well. So not everybody's perfect. We are constantly perfecting. And we can get that through our minds that, hey, whatever that I embark on in life, there's going to be challenges. I mean, it can't be for perfect. If you're going on a hike in the mountains, uh, there's going to be a rattlesnake out there. There's going to be a bear. There's going to be a cougar. There's going to be a big rock in the way. You just need to find a way to keep navigating your, yourself forward and moving in the direction of your desire. And most importantly, identifying a line with the resources that can get you there. Oh, nicely said. Nicely said. Sally, your, your thoughts. I'm not I like the um, terminology of potpourri of, of leaders. I, like <laughs> I got this smell in my in my brain. I was like a potpourri. Um, goddamn. Okay, context. So uh, there's the uh, empowered aspect of arrogance and the disempowered aspect of arrogance. There's the empowered aspect of ego and the disempowered aspect of ego. Uh, I always live in that duality. So. Um, a lot of leaders sometimes from a coaching standpoint will ask, you know, my intention is not to intimidate. My intention is not to occur as arrogant. And I said, well, I'm sorry. It comes with the territory of you owning who you are as a leader. Uh, there's a difference between being powerful as a leader versus owning your presence as a leader. The difference being somebody walks in the room and they want to go and network, powerful. Uh, somebody walks into the room and they own their presence. You just stand there like beta honey and people come to you. There's something that you emanate. There's something that is different about you, quite unquantifiable, that wow factor, X factor, charisma. Um, so training leaders to own who they are, what comes with that territory is external judgment. Um, and the uh, woman that I uh, um, admire from a leadership standpoint is Brene Brown. Um, she oh, yeah. really revolutionized a new way of thinking uh, with reference to embracing the more softer side um, of emotion and based on structural you know, traditional leadership. Um, but right here, right now, you know, uh, vulnerability, uh, leadership and vulnerability usually kind of like don't go together. Um, but again, vulnerability is your biggest strength, which is fabulous that she, you know, espouses uh, that aspect as well. So to me, it's a contextual thing. Um, you need to own the empowered aspect of your ego. You need to own that at times you need to be arrogant with your point of view. When you're in front of a, you know, chairmans and boards and all that sort of thing and you ain't owning who you are, they'll actually slaughter you. Um, so you need to be able to change and move depending on the audience that you're in front of and you need to look at the empowered aspects of all of those um, those emotions, in my opinion. Wow, yes, super, super powerful. You talk about judgment. I've, I've seen, and, I, and I'd be interested to get your perspective on this, judgment seems to be when I talk about when I talk about fears with people, it almost seems like the fear of judgment is outweighs the fear of failure. 
because the fear of judgment seems greater than the failure because the failure, they just have to deal with themselves. But the judgment of that failure is something that is compounded in that. Well, talk to us about how, how people can get out of that mindset. I mean, so many people are stuck in like, holy shit, you know, what's my boss going to say if I, if I step up right now, it's like, you have to like, I mean, leadership is that it's that Elon Musk, like you just said, Dennis, I mean, the guy's got balls. He drives around the cyber truck. I mean, he's all, I don't give a shit. This is my truck. This, I, hey, I don't care. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I'm going to tweet what I'm going to tweet and I'm going to smoke a joint on Joe Rogan's show. Don't give a fuck. Pardon my French. It's the raw and unscripted show, by the way. So children under six, go home. Go do something. <laughs> uh, I don't think you guys are watching anyway, because I've already had parents write me and I tell them, just don't have your kids in the room when you're listening to it. How about that? Anyways, uh, so I know I go went off on a rant like that right there. Um, but Definitely. um, um why, where do we go from that? You know, as far as a jumping off point is that judgment. How do we how do we get people out of that mindset into that risk taking mindset, especially in this time? I keep telling people this is not life as usual. It's not going to be the same. It's going to be vastly different, I believe, depending on when they decide to reopen the country and all that other crap. Um, so what are your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, uh, judge, judging is is uh, like a, a scotoma, a wall that, that we put up. And it could be something that maybe I'm. Uh, nervous about myself and I'm judging you because I'm trying to cut you down because I want that role as a senior leader and and mm -hmm. uh, you don't deserve it. So I'm going to just kick your butt on this one here and uh, just keep knocking everything down that you come up with every idea. Um, and I wouldn't do that, Chris. I mean, you're a cool cat. Okay. So <laughs> the thing is, is that I would say that uh, as we lead our organization moving forward, is that first uh, sh share some vulnerability without saying it, but but acknowledge what is and embrace what is and use that as a stepping stone, as a starting point in moving forward. And then most importantly is to help people understand that, hey, um, our goal is to evolve as a group, as a team, as a company. And this is our opportunity. That means everyone is involved here. So um, uh, the thing is, is to be able to uh, come up with ideas and any idea can be a great idea. It may not be the best idea, but we've got to start somewhere. So let's start kicking around some ideas. And if um, if it's something that 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 resonates with us that, that we can then build on, then so be it. Uh, if there are bottlenecks that are happening here, let's find a way to evolve through those bottlenecks to take them to break through. So the more that we can talk about starting with self, that what I believe and what's possible and not just me, not just from ego, but what I believe is possible, then people start nodding to it and go, cool, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, okay, well, we can do that. Of course we can. And all of a sudden they start opening up, but you've got you've to nurture that and cultivate that. You can't just expect it. Mm. Oh, wow. That's true. Sally? Judgment equals yeah. mastery of compassion. I've got a model for everything. <laughs> I know. So, I know. I have <laughs> the rest of it, we got the RESSR, we got the, yeah, the bucket yeah. switch, you know. As a leader, what comes with the territory is judgment externally. So uh, I needed to find a solution because the more you show up on the radar when you come up above the parapet, the more um, you will get noticed, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so how do you sustain being in an empowered state all the time as you raise your profile, as you gain more profile, as you become more known? Um, for uh, who you are in the area that you specialize in leadership, you need to get your head around how to deal with judgment because it will just escalate. So uh, judgment equals mastery of compassion. What must it be like in the shoes of those who judge you, hate you, ridicule you, whatever, to project onto you to that degree? 
So uh, the ability as a leader to learn how do you sustain your own equilibrium in the face of being attacked on whatever level to whatever magnitude is the key to mastery. The key to self-mastery is not about not getting triggered. It's the length of time you spend in the trigger, a minute, an hour, a day, a week. Some people go to their grave being triggered. Um, so that as far as external judgment is concerned, training leaders on how to master having compassion uh, and not making it mean anything about them because if you are the target, it really has nothing to do with you, which is a great way that Brene Brown in her video um, about being in the arena. If, if you are not in the arena and you have an opinion of me, I'm not really interested. But if you want to get your sorry ass down into the arena <laughs> and know how to operate in the arena, then you know I might actually you know have a listening ear for you. So that's what I'd say in the area of judgment. And then on the aspect of self-judgment is where the inner critic comes in. If we were to have the uh, mastery of the inner critic in a schooling system, a nine-year-old can have a heinous inner critic. A 49-year-old client has had four decades of self-abuse and we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it at the leadership level. It's certainly not entertained at the executive level. And yet, uh, what the hell did you do so wrong that you've been self-berating yourself to this point? It is a key subject, that self-judgment that you have and I believe it needs to, especially at a time like this, you know, how are you feeling? Like, really, really? And not just doing the looking good and trying to have it together because you're in a freaking leadership role, you know? Um, the more vulnerable and the more open. Um, so my suggestion with your leadership team specifically, because that's where I dance, is facilitating conversations that are not the norm. That should be the freaking norm because they're human. It comes with the human territory. Um, because if you can't uh, master the ability to uh, silence your inner critic, uh, and or deal with um, uh, the uh, depth of uncertainty, uh, then you're not going to be effective in your role. And so these are critical conversations from a mindset standpoint, which obviously which is where the support comes in, be that from external coaches or training your own internal to have, bring more of a coaching culture into your organization. Um, the key things that need to be looked at and this situation, which I, you know, acts of God, tsunamis, tornadoes, earthquakes, they're all awakening the planet to operate differently, whether we like to admit it or not. Because until you're stripped of everything, which I've been three times in my life, <laughs> slowly, you get the tap on the shoulder, you ignore it, the four by two at the back of the head, you ignore it, the Mack truck, woof, I've only ever learnt my lessons at the Mack truck. <laughs> not, not recommended. Um, these are exciting times, you know. Um, all of the freaking doom and gloom out there is a function of the projections that I keep talking about. Human beings live in these past and future-based projections, which is what creates the suffering. We could end the frigging pharmaceutical companies overnight. Don't even get me on that subject um, because it's a function of being disconnected. You can't be depressed, anxious, and all the rest of it if you're connected, especially if you're connecting into something, whatever that is for you. Yes. Connecting into something, whatever that is for you. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I have a story um, that I want to share with the viewers and share with you guys, obviously, as well. When I, when I think about leadership and I think about risk and I think about identity, I think about ego, I think about all the things that we've been talking about, judgment, it reminds me of a time, I'm bad at dates, I don't know, 2005, I think it was, in the organization where I worked, there was a lot of stuff going on. At the time, I think I was a manager. I don't think I'd made director yet. And I started talking with people. I'm always in tune with people, you know, liaison with a uh, human resources, big time due to my, my master's degree. And the fact that I love people, I want to see people succeed. I want to you know, get involved in teaching people. I mean, I already am, but in, at that point I was like, okay, you know, how can we use my coaching? How can we use my speaking? How can we, you know, develop some of the employees here so that when they come to work, if I give them like life coaching skills outside of work, then when they come to work, they're going to be happier because they're dealing with their issues. They're going to be happier. They're going to be more productive. When you, when you, when you invest in, we had a motto where you invest in the, the staff, the staff creates the experience for the customer. The customer creates, you know, the revenue for the organization. So you take care of your staff. 
And what I was finding is as the company was evolving, the focus from the, the was focus was going from the staff to the profits, to the EBITDA goals, to the to the measurables. We were kind of going down that road. We took on PE groups, private investor groups. And um, I was seeing the morale go down the tank, the tank. And so I went to my boss, who at that time was the, the vice president of operations and finance. And I said, hey, Dana, Dana's a no bullshit kind of guy. And I said, hey, Dana, I got an idea. I said, you know, I'm hearing from different managers around here. The morale's down, blah, blah, blah. I said, we got to do something. We got to do something about this. HR is not doing anything. I don't know if leadership knows about it. There's infighting between two of the executives. You know, it's just making for a toxic situation and we're not taking care of our customers and we don't take care of our customers. We're not going to take care of our organization and we could be out of a job. So I'm thinking big picture here. We, somebody's got to say something. And I figured Dana was going to say something. And he's like, I'm not saying anything. And basically what it was is the owner had passed away and his wife got involved and um, his son was in the, one of the, the C-suite positions. So they were constantly fighting the other guy that became the president. He was, it was just all, it was just a mess. And my boss advised me, he goes, no, it's not our spot. And I said, Dana, I think it is. I think you have to rise up through the ranks and you have to say, hey, knock, knock. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have your finger on the pulse. And he says, I, I advise against it, Chris. I said, what if, oh, that's what I said. I said, what if I go and talk to him and just say, hey, I just care. You know, you guys know me. I'm the people person. I'm the guy that walks around and says hi to everybody. Uh, what if I just go talk to Gary, who is the uh, uh, CFO, uh, Brian, who was the CEO, no, Brian was the, I don't know, it was weird. It was like, Brian was the CEO and then Drew was the president. I don't know, vice president. It was weird. So anyways, he said, no, don't do it. And I, I talked to a couple of managers and I'm like, here's what I'm thinking. Okay, we go there and there's this thing called the Orange County Register, greatest places to work. Why don't we um, go to go to leadership? I was trying to get some of my friends to do it. Why don't we go to leadership and say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. Why don't we enter the company in this greatest places to work contest and then get the results. And then every year as a management team, we collectively diagnose and see what's going on and where our failures are and help each other become stronger. Nobody had the guts. They're like, Chris, you're fucking going into the lion's den. I'm like, and I, I thought about it. I was like, my boss who knows people, he's like, don't do it. These people are like, Chris, that's stupid. And honestly, guys, I swear to God, I was just like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to get fired. If the place is going to go down the drain, eventually I'm going to have to leave or I'm going to get fired anyway. And what am I, what am I standing for? And this is what I teach in my coaching clients. It's like, what's your legacy? And I tell people, my legacy is that Christopher Roush will have fought for what was right and what was fair. He will risk for which that mattered. And he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. That's my eulogy. So I sat there and I said, fight for what's right and what's fair. I'm like, this is what's right and what's what, what's right and what's fair. And I thought, if I go up to them, it's going to work out two ways. They're going to be pissed off or they're going to be so cool that they're like, all right, let's do this. So I met with the CFO and I said, hey, you know, I hate to tell you, but there's some undercurrents. And he was like, okay, Chris, you know, what are your thoughts? And I could tell he's being polite, a little ag agitated. And I said, you know, JC, the guy that started the company, who's now passed away, he had this philosophy and blah, blah, went into that. And he's like, okay. He goes, well, go talk to Brian and go talk to Drew and see what they say. I was like, okay, I got one done. Whew. Didn't tell my boss. Made an appointment with Brian, the CEO, who is the owner's son now who's passed away. Go into his office and he is a loose cannon sometimes. And I was like, hey, Brian, how you doing? Da, da, da. A couple of jokes, Elvis, you know, thing. He loves Elvis. And I said, well, I'm here to just kind of you know, be vulnerable and say, Hey, listen, this is what's going on. I said, I know you're having issues with Jan, blah, blah, blah. People are feeling it. And I'm just coming here as, you know, a messenger who has either stupidity written all over his face or has a balls of, of, a, of a gorilla, um, you know, to let you know this. And that I want to be a part of, of fixing that. I want to, you know, get some people together and that we can create something and, and, and get the culture back. And it was so funny because he was, he was, he had his back to me, his, he had his 
back like or like this. And he spun around and he looked at me and he goes, and I went, "Fuck, I'm fired. This guy is gonna chew me up and spit me out." I thought this is this is what everybody was warning about. My other boss warned me, and he goes, "You know what? I want to tell you something, Chris." And I'm like, Ooh, "My wife's gonna kill me. I'm a stupid." And he goes, "You have." You and one other person in this organization are the people I respect because you guys have the balls to say the truth. You guys have the balls to come to me and tell me what's fucked up. He goes, I like that. Thank you. And I was like, oh, thank you. He goes, what do you, what do you got in your mind? Started strategizing some stuff. He's like, okay, go talk to Drew. I was like, okay, I've never really had much interaction with Drew. Drew is like a doctorate. I mean, he's a brain. I mean, he holds people to the fire in the middle of meetings and stuff like that. I'm like, okay. I went to Drew and I said, Hey, I already talked to Brian and Gary, blah, blah, blah. Feeling a little confident. And he starts hammering me on stuff. Okay. How's HR going to see this? How are the people going to see this? What are they going to think Christopher's doing? I'm like, I don't want to know anything. I don't want anybody to know this is me. I don't, I don't want to be the hero. This is going to be an underground thing with about four or five of my manager friends. And we're going to create a skunks works project where we're going to actually get the people involved and kind of just do what we're talking about. The co-creative leadership, get people involved. And, um, he said, let me think about it, put something together. And I put a formal thing, formal thing together, went back to my friends and say, Hey, we want to be on this team. And the long and the short of it, we went and got into the contest and the first place or the first year we placed, uh, 11th. And then from there it got political and it got ugly and I got taken out of it. But the point was, is that I went and I fought and that's what you guys have to do. Sometimes you have to take that risk because when you walk out of that, my team as a leader was like, Holy shit, you really care. I'm like, yeah, I really care. And later on, years later, when stuff went sideways, I would say, you know, who they would talk about the contest. Like, where do we get in the contest? I'm like, you know who started that contest? Oh, uh, HR. No, I did. I'm like, what? You did? I'm like, yeah. What'd you do? And I told him the story. I'm like, here's what it is. I said, I didn't do it for glory. I did it because I'm a leader. That's quite a story, uh, really. I mean, I, I commend you for what you that you did there. In fact, uh, crazy. wouldn't it be great if the HR department was the instigator to help make that happen. And, and most importantly, also, the, that, that's really the, the, the human side of the organization, right? Uh, hopefully, they're to help um, uh, lead and grow and, and uh, embrace the, uh, the most important asset of the company, and that's the, the people side of the business. But the thing is, is that uh, so many um, people and organizations, uh, you know, I'm a CFO, I'm a CEO, whatever, and it's like, uh, I, this is what I do. They got the ego, the arrogance, that type of thing. And, and then you little person come up to me and offer some so-called guidance, like, eh, whatever. I, I've tried that. It doesn't work. But imagine you're one person. I don't know how many people are in that company, but imagine at least half of the organization that was on your side to say, this is fantastic. We need to do this because, and what this can do for us. And, and to be able to have a great CEO or senior managers to be able to help embrace that. To, to evolve it and, and cultivate it and nurture it would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, previously, you guys, we, you, I, Sally, I think you went kind of down different age groups. And that was one of my questions to you guys is I just did a presentation last week. I did a, uh, two weeks ago, I did a webinar for a business association on uh, leadership transformation, how to, how to change the culture of an organization. And in part of that was generational differences. And that's something I used to speak on heavily back when I was wore the suit and tie and did the whole hand bullshit thing, whatever that was. Um, oh, yeah, here I am professional. Let me just tell you about my point. Um, all that Toastmasters crap. Uh, just be real. That's all you got to do. Um, uh, crap. 
I looked up at my dry erase board and I just fucking forgot my thought. Uh, oh, generational leadership. This time in our life, you know, we have <clears throat> baby boomers, the a large more portion of them based on their age group are retiring or looking to retire or we're going to retire. And then we got Gen Xers, which I'm in. And then you got Gen Ys who were the millennials who are now, I think, occupying about 36% of the workforce. And then now you got Generation Z coming up, which is another interesting generation. What is your perspectives, each of you, on how that, impacts co-creative leadership if there's there's I'm, I'm assuming there's probably less of a tendency to do it if you're a baby boomer if you're um back from the generation before that the silent generation but what is your experience and the people you've worked with independently does generation have a different aspect on how they view that co-creative leadership there's a number of things again I could say. <laughs> okay so um Personally, my focus is on the psychology of the human being in the organization, regardless of race, creed, color, or gender. When you are in a collective, obviously, it's quite a cocktail. So my background is in belief, behavioral, cultural change, and uh, high-end uh, program directorship, portfolio management, project management, bringing in a projectized culture to the organization. Most organizations do not have their finger on the pulse. Most organizations do not run a centralized issues register where every single person in the organization is able to raise issues. Um, you know, if that was in place, if you were to adopt a projectized, um, if you ran a program office, then you would have your finger on the pulse real time, as well as knowing because the issues would be cycling um, through the register and that would be company-wide. From a cultural change perspective, as far as generation is concerned, I'm more interested in um, who you are as a human being with all of the idiosyncrasies, not just your age group and where you fit in with all of the, you know, the, the, the slogan words of I'm in this particular sector. How do you deal with getting out of bed every day and performing at your best within the organization? What's going on for you from, a, a, and obviously because I specialize in the default identity, the disempowered aspect of somebody's psyche, uh, that impacts the whole of an organization. You got 5,000 people in the organization, they haven't done work on themselves personally, then that has a huge undercurrent within the organization. I even did a document recently around healing at the executive level, which isn't kind of like your standard thing to talk about, but here's the deal. Everybody, if, they, if they're human, it comes with a human territory, is that they're bringing in with them their own dynamics that that's either spoken to or not spoken to. When that is in a collective, that has a huge undercurrent within the organization, but there's not enough conversation, not enough identification of what the undercurrent is within the culture. I talk about KPI empowered cultures versus KPI disempowered cultures. What the hell is the point of having a key performance indicator, KPI, for anything within the organization, be that you know, organizational KPIs, financial KPIs, if you don't meet them. So that's a disempowered uh, KPI culture. If you tolerate within your culture that it's okay to not meet your KPIs. So bringing in a culture where you meet your KPIs is <laughs> kind of like a foreign concept. That just fascinates the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It just fascinates the shit out of Sally Anderson. <laughs> we know it's all about online and performance and all the rest of it, one of, one of the key measurements of that is KPIs. So if you tolerate within your culture to not meet KPIs, what becomes um, Bob Donnell, who I love very dearly, uh, makes the best statement, best video I've seen in a long time, what becomes uh, acceptable becomes inevitable. Inevitable, yep. So I just saw the live with Bob last week. Yeah, so if you accept within an organization, regardless of what generation you come from, uh, without taking the piss, but you know, you know, you are a human being. You are the function. You know, where you function has an impact on the whole. There's not enough 
you know, we've got the EAP programs, you know, employee assistant programs, but, you know, that's kind of like when something happens, then you might have to go and see somebody and get support. What about when you're feeling great? What about, you know, actual development from that right. standpoint, you know? Not, not that something has to go wrong or bad performance, you know, we need to go and do something with that person, you know? It's kind of mm -hmm. like, why don't we have open and free conversations around the psychology of the culture within the organisation, you know? It's just a conversation. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah. So the people aren't afraid of being able to say their point of view. You know, and that story that you shared before is a prime example of why is only one or two people in an organization being, you know, brave enough to actually have the brave conversations, brave conversations versus the majority of people where you encourage that. Bring me the conversations that nobody else is having. Speak mm -hmm. into the what's not said, you know, frame and manage how you're communicating. But, you know, to be able to create a culture like that, then you'll actually understand what's going on. But more often than not, you can have, you talk about legacy, you can have the vision a mission on the on the plaque on the wall, but is it actually operating within the culture? Are you kidding me? Legacy is not about just what you leave behind before you die. Legacy is, you know, what is your DNA calling you to be in the world? What makes you unique? What the hell are you doing here? Mm. Individually and collectively as an organization, you know? Um, Absolutely. Enough said. I mean, you hit it on the nail head. Bam. <laughs> Dennis? Uh, she said it. I mean, that's exactly. I mean, uh, we are very, very uh, on board with with what she just shared. It's it's so true. It's like we are in alignment there for sure. Wow, um, awesome. dynamics and and uh, treating. I, mean, it, it, I couldn't have said it better. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, Sally, you have a brilliant way of words. I'm right. actually gonna, as part of producing this, just full transparency for the people watching. I'm gonna go back and listen to this and and take my notes again and and type that all up. So that when you guys actually watch this, you'll see the the some of the tidbits in here that that she's dropping. Um, I want to move uh, into another direction, and you guys had mentioned it before. Your your JV, your your joint venture partnership, and Sally, you had sent. Um, I'm going to do an attempt to do a screen share um, right now with people and see if this works. I will admit I'm kind of new at this, but um, you sent me this amazing graphic uh, of what it is that you guys are working on. So I'd like to hear more about what this is and see what it is that you guys are working on and how uh, we can support it and how we can learn from it. I might just do the high-level overview and then uh, hand it over to Dennis to speak more from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Sure. Um, so in the four phases, can you just bring that diagram back up then, my friend? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, see if I can do this. Uh, let me try to... Uh, let's see. Um, cool. Yep. So in the context of uh, any form of transformative change, uh, the combination of what Dennis does and what I do. So uh, Dennis and I have followed each other for many years, similar to you and I, Chris. Uh, and uh, we formed a joint venture partnership uh, recently. We're targeting uh, predominantly the US market, but also globally. Uh, the combination of our two school bases, uh, we're both used to coaching at that CEO, C-suite level, chairmen's boards, um, millionaires, billionaires, uh, anybody who's in uh, that high-end leadership, that's our avatar, that's where we stay. Fish stinks from the head down, no disrespect. Um, <laughs> being able to partner leaders at that level. So um, there is a handout that uh, if any of your listeners would uh, be interested in um, getting that handout, with the, which this diagram here is a part of. There's 24 elements, four phases. They're pretty straightforward. Uh, obviously, in the adopt phase, there's a number of different um, uh, segments about, you know, you've got to change your thinking and actually embrace change to even consider taking on Dennis and I. If you're not interested in changing, if you're not interested in doing what it takes, don't come anywhere near Dennis and I. That would be something that I would recommend. Um, <laughs> no. The organizational ecosystem, you know, where is, you know, it's kind of like a maturity framework. You know, where is your organization at benchmarked across those things? The psychology of your culture, 
which very much is where Dennis and I dance and complement each other. Um, uh, you know, what is the status of that particular culture? Uh, and uh, as far as thriving is concerned, that are basing, you know, where are you at with reference to being at the leading edge? Uh, I personally enjoy working with those uh, visionaries, uh, pioneers, uh, thought leaders, those that are really championing, wanting to be conscious organizations. Uh, and I think uh, given what we're experiencing, uh, unprecedented, uncertain times, that it's going to bring a level of consciousness never seen before. Um, so from uh, where Dennis and I stand, um, uh, that particular target market, those that are really wanting to be at the forefront of conscious organizations in the world that are wanting to make a profound difference. So that's where we like to dance. That's mm. my temperature. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's fabulous. I mean, when I saw that, I was just like so encapsulated with like, okay, God, this makes so much sense, but there's so much, I mean, there's so much awesomeness in this. I mean, seriously, Dennis, what about your, your side of things? Uh, well, to also dovetail what Sally had just mentioned, if I can go back to that, uh, that diagram again. Sure. Uh, let's see. There we go. So, so the thing is, is that um, many companies are focusing more on how they can be more effective in their companies to, of course, on the, on the, the blue end there to get profitability. And it's easy for people to say, yeah, we need to become profitable. Yet there's got to be a segue. There's got to be a step-by-step -step process to be able to position our people, systems, and culture, and organization to be able to get to that profitability. So uh, when we think uh, as an entrepreneur, we're really going back to the winning edge of leadership, and that's being able to uh, empower our organization to develop the talents, the skills, the abilities, the intelligence, the emotional intelligence, and also coach people in a streamlined uh, process to be able to uh, first look at the overall vision of what it is that we are striving for as a company and then finding out how we can then uh, use a step-by-step -step methodical process to be able to uh, incorporate uh, uh, a way of change of evolution of our organization to reduce the bottlenecks to um, take those bottlenecks to breakthroughs and the entrepreneurial way of thinking is just that. I mean, we are we are fearless. I mean, we we don't look at fear as 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 a as a as a way of doing business uh, or judgment. We we look at the uh, way of evolving and being successful in business is to include everyone at every level of the organization, and it starts, of course, with the mindset. And the mindset is that that starting point of all possibility. And then once we uh, go from the mindset and the culture and the leadership strategies that we're adopting a new strategy here. So um, when we adopt, it's a, it's a new way of thinking. We're embracing change. We see the purpose of change. Change is good. And we share with people how that can be good. And then we integrate that throughout the organization, every level, everything that we are being and doing so that we can have and then thrive. Wow. That is powerful stuff. I mean, how long did it take you guys to to come up with this and in this and create this joint venture? Because I've had people approach me about stuff, and I'm like, eh, no thanks. Um, how's it work for you? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a coach intuitive, so everything that I decisions I make are intuitive. Uh, Dennis is very similar, different but similar. Uh, we just um, speak the same language but different. Uh, a lot of similarities. Um, even our joint venture document is quite woo-woo. It's not got your legalese and all the rest of it. He trusts me, I trust him, we want to get it on, let's go, you know? Yeah. We, both, we both wish to make a significant difference on the planet behind those that are creating great legacies. 
Um, and one thing as far as, you know, there's many, many coaches in the marketplace. There are many, many leadership service providers in the marketplace. They are all doing great training. Uh, but as far as our point of difference is concerned, uh, for your listeners, as far as why would you consider us, um, especially because we're only dealing with a high-end sector of the market, is that we're the only leadership service provider in the marketplace focusing on the sustainability element of personal or professional transformation. So we're not just interested in transcending the paradigm uh, psychologically of the organization to achieve results, but we're also interested in teaching uh, the leaders of the organization how to sustain those results. That is our key point of difference. And that's why we're wanting to reach more people with what it is that we do, which is why we're welcoming opportunities like this to be able to be heard. Wow. Fabulous. Dennis? Uh, well, it did take some time with this. We, we had a lot of content. And if I could say it bluntly, uh, we, I was always offering up to uh, Sally, let's find a way to simplify, simplify, simplify. Because um, this needs to be something where imagine ourselves on a sailboat and we're sailors. And we know how to sail this boat, but we can't control the storms. So what we can do is we know how to set our sail. And when the winds get tough, when the waves get high, uh, we need to be able to respond versus react and have a, a system, a methodology, a way of navigating uh, that ship, that business, that, that opportunity, that whatever type of business it is, uh, in the direction of our desire. And of course, the ultimate goal is profitability, but there's a way to get there. And I love how... Um, Sally's been so beneficial in helping see the light and getting methodical about doing this and 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 simplifying the process. So uh, I found it very rewarding and it did take some time, but uh, we definitely have got it put together now and and that's a great uh, strategy. And I highly recommend, especially senior managers, to really look at your organization, look at yourself and say, you know, how can I evolve? How can I be a better leader, more effective leader to help effectively guide others and lead themselves? And what is it that I can be uh, as an example here to, to, so that people look to me uh, for guidance to help coach them and, and, and mentor them and, and be on their side versus the boss. And mm -hmm. um, I think that this strategy here, if I can simplify it, is it, it's sort of a step-by-step -step process and how you can navigate moving forward. And, and of course, there's going to be there's going to be big winds coming when you're running your sailboat or running a trail. There's going to be the rattlesnake in the pathway, or you know, there's going to be storms and that type of thing. But that's just life, man. It's life. Okay. So uh, how do we respond to it versus react? And this 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 uh, diagram here, this example, can help help you with that. Mm, yes. Wow. I have to say, guys, um, I've done a lot of interviews. I've, uh, I've taken in a lot of information at one particular time, but this has been phenomenal. I mean, geez, uh, I'm going to enjoy going back and listening to it without having to necessarily pay attention to what questions I'm going to ask next, because there's so much meat in this. And guys, if you're watching, when you're watching this, I hope you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, go back and watch it again and watch it with a partner, watch it with somebody who you can collaborate with. That's why I asked the question about the JV is because now is a time where I have to think about so many things so differently. And I just want to get final thoughts from you both about leadership, about, you know, entrepreneurialism, about the, the, the frame of where we're at in the world today. And, 
and leave the listeners and the viewers with some advice that they can they can tangibly take action on today that won't overwhelm them, but will at least start to 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 blaze that trail of confidence and that changing their perspectives and, and kind of digesting all the stuff that we've talked about today. How would you sum up those words for our viewers today? Because you guys have been phenomenal. I want to thank you so much for being here and sharing this wealth of information. Um, but I'm interested just to see what, how we could wrap that up and, and share it with the viewers so they can walk away with something that they can you know, work with. I'll let you go first there, Dennis. <laughs> I would say, let's see, uh, this is, there's so many ways of saying this. Uh, uh, first of all, just realize that if it is to be, it starts with me, you, okay? And uh, change is, is possible here. I mean, uh, start where you are. Start with exactly what you have and start right now. Get the resources, uh, align with those resources, and find out where it is that you want to go and evolve and move forward. Uh, be it yourself, uh, leading yourself and or leading others in that same direction with your company. Um, with all the things that are happening right now with COVID-19 and that type of thing is, is that if anything, uh, it is healing the earth. And I mean that seriously. I mean, if you go outside and the air is so clear and there's so much, it's just beautiful outside now. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. because yep. It's caused everybody to stop and reflect and, and be here right now and focus on what is and make the best of it moving forward. So uh, yeah, the thing I recommend is that if it is to be a starts with you, start now and uh, change is inevitable. Find a way to navigate, get the resources and, and uh, you'll be fine moving forward. Wow, Dennis, thank you so much. It's so good to meet you and I hope we have more conversations like this because it stimulates my brain. I've been out of the leadership game a little bit for what, four months now. Um, daddy, I went from director of operations to daddy daycare of a three and a half year old, which is awesome. Uh, living my dream, thanks to Sally, made the, made the jump. I've, I'm happy to say that coach Sally sent me that Steve Harvey video that has literally changed my perspective. <laughs> I have shared that video on more Facebook lives, uh, in more interactions with people who are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. What, what made you do it? What made you do it? Because I'll be honest. I'll be honest with everybody. I mean, the, the, the split with my employer was, you know, it was amicable, but it was also something that, you know, struck me at the, at the yeah. point in my life because my identity was so, so caught up in that. So thank you guys for being here because this is about life changing stuff. Mm. Mm. Cool. So, um, in closing, from my perspective, um, one of the core aspects of my teaching is fall in love with uncertainty, fall in love with being confronted, fall in love with resistance and uncomfortability. These are the key aspects of being able to transcend as a leader. So I touched on the fear pandemic. If there's one thing from a leadership standpoint that I believe leaders are being impacted by is either the collective power of fear externally uh, due to the uncertainty um, and or their own uh, fear. So um, I love simplicity. So I'll leave you with um, those that are listening today with a, a mantra that I live by, 125% and more. Um, is what you're thinking forwarding the game? If it's not, don't think it. Is what you're doing forwarding the game? If it's not, don't do it. Is what you're saying forwarding the game? If it's not, don't say it. And in who you're being is that forwarding your game? If it's not, don't be that. So you need to know what your game is, both personally and professionally. Now. To train yourself to that degree of integrity, that keeps you in. That has you master what it means to live an equanimous life. So when you think about it, from the minute you get up in the morning to the minute you go to bed, you have a choice. Choice is the biggest distinction that saved my life, that changed my life. You have a choice, moment by moment, what you think, what you feel, how you react, what you do, what you think, what you say, the whole nine yards. Choice is the most powerful distinction on the planet. So 
from this moment forward, you've got a choice whether you live in the now moment, that you learn the skills on how to, you know, collapse the fear projections, um, that you are, uh, that you get clear on what, what your game is and uh, transcend. And if, if <laughs> the biggest complaint from most leaders is that they don't have the time, well, at the moment we've got the time. Um, so I'm passionate about leaders who are human, being able to transcend their own uh, limitations as well as the limitations of their organizations. Uh, and I'm excited about the collaboration and joint venture partnership that I've formed with Dennis. I feel privileged. Uh, it's always important as a leader to stay the student. I love learning from Dennis. I love learning from you, Chris. I feel very appreciative of this opportunity. If any of your listeners um, would like the document uh, of the information about the uh, model that we showed today, more than happy to uh, on-forward that. And we offer a complimentary strategy call if anybody's interested in actually taking Dennis and I on. <laughs> where, would they, where would they reach out to you guys to, to get this information? Cool. So if we, um, it's a really good point there, Dennis. <laughs> well, they could, they could, if they want, they can go ahead and contact me and I can have it forwarded, have you guys forward. They can also, uh, they can schedule a call on mindtomarketstrategy.com. That's M-I-N-D-T-O market strategy, mindtomarketstrategy.com. Cool. And I will make sure that's in the show notes for, for everybody uh, driving or doing something. I don't know if anybody drives anymore. I went out to go get, I went out and we're trying to, we're trying to buy um, every once a week, our treat is to go out and get dinner and actually get outside, but we go pick it up and we went to a, a local restaurant. I went to go pick it up the other day. I went out to my truck and my truck wouldn't even start because I hadn't been driving in like two or three weeks. My I have a camera that, that has surveillance on it. So it I constantly goes. So I went out that and I wound up getting in my wife's car and I just, it felt so weird. I hadn't been driving in so long. I was like, Oh, okay. Wow. You know, it was just crazy. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's just the state of life. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for being here. Um, you know, it's, it really is a, a crazy time in our life. And like Sally, I think said at the beginning of this interview, it's all about your perspective to it. I've been telling people, this is an exciting time. And they're like, you're stupid. What the fuck are you saying? You know, people are out of work. People are dying. And I'm like, yes, Yes. And I think Dennis, you alluded to it as well, is the fact that this is nature's way of telling us to smarten the fuck up, to stop. Yeah. Uh, I apologize if the screen keeps going out. Uh, internet connectivity has been crazy for many people these days. Um, but yeah, you just have to, you have to take this opportunity to reframe your perspective and look at it as a go-getter. If whether you're, especially if your parents out there, you guys are leaders, you have to show your kids, you have to look back on this period of time and say, God, guys, this is when we, this is when we picked up, we started our dog shit picking up business. You know, this is when we started, you know, uh, mowing lawns. This is when we started, you know, going to the gas station and washing people's windows you know, whatever it might be to get you through this, that leadership capacity, it all starts like what Sally said, to summarize what she said, you know, your attitude. Victor Frankel wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Mm -hmm. I just gave it to my coaching client yesterday. And I said, listen, she was talking about, you know, my mindset, my attitude, I feel like it's controlled by outer circumstances. And I'm like, wow, that's good because I want you to read a book. I don't want you to listen to it. I want you to read it. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. Um, by Victor Frankel. It talks about just to be disclosure, because some people find I tell them about I don't tell them about the book and they're like, oh my God, it's about Auschwitz and my grandfather died in it. And I didn't want I'm like, sorry. So it is about Auschwitz, but it's an amazing story. It's a, a world best selling book. 
I assign everybody to read it because it really talks about the fact that you walk in his footsteps and he talks about the fact that they can take everything away from me. They can take my clothes away from me. They can give me little scrumps of bread. They can, you know, give me a little bit of water. They can make me walk in, in, in cold uh, conditions, freezing conditions and burn my feet and all this other stuff, but they cannot make me think any differently than I choose to think. And I think that I'm going to grow stronger from this. I think I'm going to be reunited with my family from this. I think I'm going to write a book about this. I think I'm going to impact millions and millions of people's lives through this experience, how fucked up it is, but I turned it around based on my perspective that nobody else can tell me what to think, what to think. That's what being a leader is, is saying, no, nobody's going to tell me what to think. That's what this, that's what this world is about. That's what wrong script about. That's what being kick-ass unstoppable is about is just keep rising, keep doing, put one foot in front of the other, take it moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, however you have to get through it. I'm in it with you. I'm getting through it with you. And thank you. Special guest to Sally and Dennis. You guys were phenomenal today. I want you guys to send us emails, send us messages, let us know how this show impacted you. And I can get you in touch with those guys and we can continue the conversation. I love you guys. Always stay kick-ass, stay unstoppable. And we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.